0: In a 1944 editorial entitled Our Brothers From Spain, the French writer Albert Camus wrote of the quiet shame he felt in relation to France's treatment of its neighbours to the south. First because we left Spain to perish on our own through a policy of non-intervention. And then, when our brothers, defeated by the very same weapons that were to crush us, came to us, we posted police and border guards to keep them at arm's length. Indeed, as Franco's fascist forces... Moved into Catalonia in early 1939, around 500,000 people fled north towards the French border, including an estimated 250,000 republican soldiers. After initially refusing to open the frontier to the refugees, French authorities ultimately relented in turning the refugees in horrific conditions in makeshift concentration camps, such as that at Argelés-sur-Mer, where a hundred thousand people were forced to sleep out on the beach in midwinter with no shelter and no food after days on the roads. Today on Sober Mesa podcast, we are discussing this month's 85th anniversary of La Retirada and the experience of French Republicans as refugees and exiles in France. My guest is graduate war historian and podcast host Uma Aruga Lopez. As always, if you've been enjoying our shows and are a regular listener. We would ask you to make a sh- small contribution to our "Buy Me a Coffee" account. You'll find the link in the episode description. In any case, enjoy the interview. Hi Uma, welcome to Sobremesa Podcast.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: No, it's 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 a good time to talk. I think now we're it's mm-hmm. just we've just come past, I guess, the the 85th anniversary of 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 the fall of the fall of Barcelona to the Francoist forces and. Mm Which the retreat, la la retirada, of over 500, or I guess the the exact figure is debated, but it's between 450 to maybe 500,000 people. I mean, we're talking maybe 15% of the population of that time of Catalonia fled the country as the Francoist forces took took Catalonia. You wrote your master's thesis on this topic. Above all on the French government, the popular front, the uh, French government at the time, their response to this um, to this huge influx, this unprecedented influx of, of refugees. And one of the things you say, I think, in your introduction to your thesis is that this is maybe a topic, you know, which which doesn't figure that highly in the sort of collective memory internationally of the Spanish Civil War, that this huge movement of people and their reception then in France Why, why do you think maybe this, this episode has been, hasn't received the attention it's deserved maybe until recently. I think it's probably changed in the last maybe 15, 20 years, but you know, I guess compared to maybe more famous episodes around the Spanish civil war, this, this hasn't quite figured that much outside of France or even sometimes in Spain.
1: Yeah. So I think, well, in general, it feels like the Spanish civil war it's just kinda of topic that is not even really talked about that much even in historical like academic circles. You know, I wrote my bachelor's thesis and my masters thesis on topics related to the Spanish Civil War. And both times my tutors had no idea about what I was talking about. But why right? and they and they were professors at like big yeah. universities, right? So in general it's just a bit now I guess with the international brigades, I think it's a topic that internationally obviously is more known about and honestly I think it's a mixture of the fact that it was it was just almost right well a few months before the start of the uh, of World War II yeah right yeah so it was it's it's basically like oh we have bigger fish to fry like more interesting things to talk about this happened yeah they lost you know (laughs) it is what it is yeah. Right? So, and also because France afterwards, there was no, they didn't try to to talk about this. They didn't show what happened. They, there was no historiography on the topic until, as you said, like 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so way after it happened, at least 50 years after it happened, it, it was just not really known because the people that were part of La Retirada, or the people that had stayed in Spain were also under Franco, yeah. right? So yeah. history under Franco was whatever Franco said. So obviously these people were not important to the history of Spain as Franco was writing it yeah. again.
0: No, it's true. I mean, I I think the other thing you mentioned is the official accounts of French resistance to the Nazis, to fascism. No, that maybe, again, I think the last 20 years, and we can talk about this because I think there's been a certain redressing of this both in Spain, in France, um, in the last 20 years. But I think when we think of a figure like de Gaulle, who, after the liberation of Paris, the French free forces were led into Paris by La, la Nueve, you know, the, the, the Spanish, yeah. you know, Spanish, ex Spanish Republican soldiers. Who, who had, you know, gone into exile. You know, some of these people, were, we'll, we'll talk about later, but like, you know, they, they were in Arjeles-Sormer, no, the, the huge concentration camp. I mean, we'll talk about that, but, you know, we're talking, I mean, one of the worst concentration camps, 100,000 people on this beach. But, mm-hmm. you know, these, these people were treated terribly on, in these camps they joined the French army afterwards. Some of them ended up in free French forces in, in is it Algeria, et cetera. And then, yeah, they were the first ones in to liberate Paris. But of course that goes against the narrative. The narrative de Gaulle wanted to spin in 45 that the, we, the French people alone, have liberated ourselves and in one sense that, that, that is understandable as as pure propaganda at a moment in which it was obviously an American you know, operation. But it was, yeah, the, the backbone of the French resistance was ex-Republican soldiers, particularly at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. These were these were battle-hard soldiers, both, okay, the French resistance in in France and then the free French forces. The Spanish soldiers were very important. So, I mean, it didn't fit in with De Gaulle's narrative of, of France libera- liberating itself.
1: No, exactly. And he actually, in his speech to thank uh, these uh, Spanish Republicans, he finished by saying, now you can go home it's like sir what home yeah they have literally been living in your country for like six years at this point because yeah. they had to escape theirs yeah so it was like okay thanks you you helped us now you can basically fuck off like <laughs> yeah yeah but that fits with this of like it, it, it's like he was saying you know we actually didn't need you you were like thanks for helping but we had it under control because we the french <laughs> did it all you know i mean you're
0: talking you're talking about there's at least a, a number, I can't remember the exact figure I wrote about this a number of years ago, but there was a number of French departments which were liberated from either the Vichy rule or, or Nazi rule by, they were led by Spanish Republicans. You know, so I mean, you're talking actual depart- French departments were liberated by by Spanish Republicans. And one of the reasons these people, of course, were involved in this, in this struggle or saw the liberation of, Fre- of France as their own struggle was the fact that they saw it well, okay, after the liberation of Paris on to Madrid and only they ex- they expected I guess the Allies the Allies anti fascism to to extend to Spain and obviously that, that didn't happen as the sort of Cold War logic kicked mm, yeah, in pretty much no, straight away.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I, I think that's one of the things that <laughs> pisses me off the most yeah. about yeah. this topic as well, which is which is also why they wanted to actually, they knew that World War II was coming. They, they knew that some sort of European war was coming. So Manuel Atzaki and the Republican government were like, okay, we can only hold on a little exactly. bit more, exactly. they will have to help us. And sadly, the civil war ended before uh, World War II started, but but yeah, then afterwards it was like, yeah, sorry guys, you're on your own, Uh, we're done. Fighting fascism.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, we've got yeah, turning their attention to the Soviets. Um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't want to hark on about this topic, but yeah, I do remember talking to uh, Ian Gibson a few years ago and him telling me about how he talked to ex francoist prisoners or ex Republican prisoners under Franco from mm-hmm. Gran- in in Granada, and they would they would tell him that um, in 1945 when they heard about the well liberation in Paris 44, fall of uh, the, Really at forty-five, you know, they, they 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 greeted this news as like you know this was such a hopeful thing. You know, this was basically the harbinger of their own liberation that was going to come. And yeah, I guess that sense of yeah that th- people who've been fighting fascism for so long were just left. Um, yeah, it's it is it is terrible. I mean, going back to the actual our actual topic, <laughs> you know, um, can you talk a little bit about it? Must have been January January nineteen thirty-nine, December thirty-eight, January thirty-nine, the weeks leading up to the fall of Barcelona, and then afterwards this huge wave of, of human migration as people fl- fled, um, the Francoist forces. I mean, what was, what were the conditions like in, in Catalonia? What was the mood? I mean, this was after three years of, of, of civil war, hunger, bombing by, by, you know, above all by Mussolini's forces from mm-hmm. Balearic islands, etc. Like what, what, what was, I mean, it must've been a mood I, I imagine of, of desperation, no? I mean, l- leading up
1: to this. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, they had just basically lost the battle at the Ebro, which mm. was the literally the last defensive battle that the Republic launched. So yeah, I must imagine everyone must have been very, very frightened. Obviously, they knew what was going on in the territories that Franco had already conquered, especially in the south of Spain, uh, which had been pretty Pretty good stronghold for the left, but when they fell, there was massacres everywhere. There was, yeah, basically no no mercy for Republicans in general. Which, when we talk about you know the Reds as as they as they uh, call them, which means from literally someone who has never voted in their life to like you know a hardcore communist or anarchist or whatever.
0: Yeah, when I mean, you're talking, you're talking liberal professionals until yeah the anarchists. So I guess you know yeah.
1: Exactly, like literally someone who maybe taught the poor people in their town to read, you know, to, yeah, to someone from the Communist Party. Yeah, so I imagine the mood must have been just, uh, as I said, of desperation, basically, especially, I mean, imagine that made half a million people or almost half a million people just leave their houses and run and try across the the frontier with like the Pyrenees basically which yeah. always is not an easy thing
0: exactly I mean you can hear I mean I was before before we talked I was listening to some some videos of uh, you know there was a lot of reports I guess from the 80th anniversary five years ago and the last survivors, some of the people who were maybe in there who were just children at the time you know they're now or they were five years ago in their sort of late 80s early 90s and that thing yeah they are like Crossing the Pyrenees on foot. Um, mm-hmm. We in your thesis, you you deal a lot about the the French. I guess the French government po- uh, reaction and policy around this. I mean, their their initial reaction seemed to be to to try and close the border. No, like to you
1: know. No, so it was it was actually already closed by that oh, time. Was it? Okay. So yeah, yeah. So we, we do have to bear in mind that the war had been going on for three years, right? So they were not the actual first refugees that came from Spain. So when the war had just started, 15,000 people crossed to France. Most of them actually were Catholics or rich people that, you know, were scared of the initial violence against them. And many of them returned when they saw that the situation was favorable to them. But then by October 37, so a year and a few months after the start of the war, 300,000 Spaniards were in France already. Mm. Right? So yeah. there were already 300,000 refugees. So France was already done with them. By that time, uh, only a year after the start of the war, they closed the border officially in June of 38. Okay. So they were like, okay, this is over, you guys, like we're already full. They had they had spent a lot of money housing some of those people like I think 37, 55 million francs were allocated to some of these refugees. Um, so before they crossed the border, they said, okay, uh, you can only come if you can afford to live here. Like we cannot, you know, pay for you. We cannot give you anything. But then I guess more people kept uh, crossing uh, and they closed the border. So when with the fall of Barcelona, it was it was closed. It had been closed for, you know, half a year. At this point a bit over but they saw that so many people were coming i mean half a million people imagine uh so they had to reopen the border two days after the fall of Barcelona, which was the twenty. uh they reopened the border on the 20th of january but only to non-combatants so yeah. basically children women elderly
0: and so they yeah they reopened the border to the non-combatants i mean mm-hmm. obviously the Republican army is also fighting a rear guard action, trying to allow these, um, trying to allow civilians enough time mm-hmm. to get to the border. But you do have—I don't know—I don't know, I don't know the, the exact numbers of the soldiers, but you know you, you're talking tens of thousands, probably of, of Republican soldiers, also wanting to cross. I mean, I, I imagine that at, at one point to stop a massacre, the French authorities had to let these people through as well.
1: So it is so the sources are a bit weird when it comes to that. So some of them, including uh, official sources from the French government at the time, say that uh, it was actually way more soldiers than civilians, right? Because if you were obviously a soldier for the Republic, you were done, you were dead. Yeah, even if you weren't killed in combat, you were going to be executed afterwards. So some sources even say like 80% of those people were actually soldiers okay right so we don't actually have that many civilians go um cross, but i mean still a hundred thousand people is still a lot of people yeah um many soldiers also just brought their families with them so that's why also they counted and like albert sarahut who was the minister of interior i think at the time he said that you know we will let the women and children come we will let the elderly we will let the um injured but the valid ones so the fit to fight we will leave like we don't want them
0: okay right wow.
1: however because there were so many and obviously they were scared they were angry they were actually they had weapons with them as well some of them yeah the the government got so scared that they will they would actually try to invade france
0: yeah
1: uh, by force that they did actually open the border for them on the fifth of February, so a couple okay. of weeks, a week or so after. Basically. And what like the
0: the border was sealed like by the, the Francoists reached the border. The border was sealed was it the twelfth of February or around just before mid mid February? And then I guess the next question is yeah, what do the French authorities do because yeah, suddenly they you have in a, you know you're talking about in a matter of weeks five hundred thousand people. Are, you know arriving on french territory one of the one of the one of the questions you set yourself in in your thesis is was there an alternative to these people ending up in such dark conditions in concentration camps can you first talk about what were the conditions because they you know mm-hmm. yeah secondly were, were were there alternatives
1: yeah so i mean the conditions were just yeah. the, the the worst conditions i can that you can imagine so the first a camp that was open was sur Mer, which quite literally was a beach. They just arrived. They just put them, as you said, like a hundred thousand people. But at first it was just, um, 104 refugees were literally just forced to dig holes and start building some sort of infrastructure uh, on that beach. And it was literally just a beach with barbed wire around it and and bear in mind, it's February. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, winter. It's, not an ice. it's winter, it's, it's very cold by the sea, very windy. The conditions were absolutely horrible. And I assume that, you know, if you're fleeing your home while the tigers are literally, you know, driving down, uh, La Diawanal, which is the main street in Barcelona, and you're not thinking of like packing many things, right? Or, like, clothes, even. So, yeah, so 104 refugees were literally forced to try build some kind of infrastructure there, but there was nothing. There was no uh, toilet, no running water, no barracks at first. Like, there's pictures of Robert Capa that are, I guess, the most seen or important ones from that time, which is people sleeping in holes yeah. In the sand, you know, um, in Arturus Romare.
0: And there's descriptions of, I guess, yeah, people, I get they will cover themselves in sand to try and remain warm at night, yeah. and then pretty much every night, you know, some people just wouldn't wake up the next day, you know, people were dying on, um, on the beaches.
1: Yeah. I mean, hypothermia, uh, I assume these people also hadn't really eaten anything since they left. Obviously there was no food. Um, some testimonies, some survivors say that if there was bread, they would get some bread and some dried cod, mm-hmm. but that was it. You know, and there was really no like no water, no running water. In Azerschmer, the they tried. They said that they would that the toilets did have running water and that they they were trying to do this like sewage system, mm-hmm. but the the seawater just pushed the all the feces and everything back well, to the toilet and yeah. like on the people. So also a lot of people died of uh dysentery and yeah. like just you know because there was no hygiene, no nothing. They were living there literally with like their feces with um what's called the uh, lysis. L-
0: lice, lice, yeah. Lice, lice. That, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: lice, Yeah. Anything and everything that you can imagine.
0: Uh yeah, I mean I remember I remember reading testimony of you know people sort of saying even though even the drinking water they were given was very dirty I mean it was it would taste of soap, et cetera. and the people some people were there for up to a year in this camp, no I mean maybe longer. Even.
1: oh yeah, 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 I mean, they were running because when the I mean it's not funny I, I don't know why I laugh, but when the Nazis uh arrived, they saw these camps and they were like, great, perfect, thank you. And they actually reused them. Yeah. So whoever was already there just stayed there, obviously, under the Nazis. And then actually many people who had finally been able to escape the camps because they found a job or whatever, because they were communists, you know, quote unquote, they were actually sent back um, when the Nazis came. So yeah, it was literally, there was a fluctuation of like, people coming in and going in some state until 45 or 44. Um, So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. And what was, yeah, what was the way out, I guess? Was it at least men of fighting age were given the option of either joining the French Foreign Legion or maybe was it working in sort of labor battalions for the war effort? Yeah, was that sort of...
1: Yeah, so... Uh, We do also have to bear in mind that these camps were mostly made for these fit to fight men, right? So obviously some women and children and elderly uh, were there and had to spend a lot of time there, but it was mostly for the men, right? Mm. So there were eight camps in general, and it's the worst one apparently was Le Vernet d'Ariege because it was a disciplinary camp. So if it was bad in, like, Arcade Estremer, I don't even want to imagine what was going on there, right? So the way out was, yes, so in April April 1939, right, so before the start of World War II, there was a degree uh, passed by the Daladier government. Okay. And it says, it stated that any foreigner, any male foreigner, Uh, between the ages of 18 and 40, might get admitted to work or serve during peacetime in any of the corps of the French army and drafted in case of um, war. So it's like they were being forced to be like French citizens, like doing what the French citizens have to do, right? So they could join the French foreign legion, right? The Regiment de Marche des Volontaires des Which is like the uh it's basically like the French Foreign Legion in a way, (laughs) literally. And or lend their labor to the campaign des travailleurs escranges, so city, which is what most of them did, right? Which is you would, you know, you would join this city and just be sent somewhere that needed uh some construction work done that was related to something military. Right, so that was their way out.
0: I mean, what was the reaction? Because I think you do talk about this in your thesis as well. Not I mean, the reaction from the public opinion in France. Because, yeah, you have half a million arriving. Obviously, one of the issues why I guess the previous uh, Bloomleg government in in France, the the initial more sort of left wing, uh, Frente Popular in, in in France didn't didn't really support the the Spanish Republic. Was this campaign by the right wing press, you know? And a desire, I guess, to avoid to fo- to follow Britain's lead, et cetera. But you have, I guess, yeah, as you're saying, you have these people arriving. A lot of them have fought for the Republican army or communists or, you know, anarchists are the exact people, I guess, yeah, that are considered sort of like dangerous reds, et cetera. I mean, what what was the reaction of public opinion on the, the French government?
1: Yeah, so the French government and society, it, it, there was like this evolution, right? So going back all the way to the 1920s, for example, every immigrant, every refugee was welcome, right? Because they were actually needed to rebuild the France, the country, yeah. right? Uh, It was mainly with the crash of 1929 that these uh, this welcome, like laissez-faire attitude is changed and it's like, of oh, yeah, you know, jobs for the French and not for the immigrants uh, or refugees. Because at that point there was not really like a clear distinction between what policy fo- was for immigrants and what policy was for refugees. But what's interesting, for example, in 1938, so when we already have th- uh, 300,000 uh, Sp- uh, Spanish refugees in in France, they actually passed. Uh, I think it was Daladier again. Yeah, Daladier. Uh, passed uh, decree law that had like fourteen articles, and this in uh, the article two says that you know it is punishable by law or like fine to enter the country by irregular man in an irregular manner
0: mm-hmm. and
1: without your documents. He Daladier and his government were like, no, no, but this is for you know, illegal immigrants. This is for people that we do not want here. It has nothing to do with refugees. However, it's basically like if you're a refugee, you're going to cross the Pyrenees in an irregular manner without your documents, because that's the last thing. You're not going to send a letter to the French consul in Barcelona like, hey, sorry, can I, you know, apply for asylum now when Franco is knocking at my door, you know? So it actually like, it's crazy because that article, it's true, like they they, they were targeting these refugees, but they had like plausible deniability, you know, like, no, no, but we never say the word refugee. And then, you know, here come the British, who were like, oh, France is doing a marvelous job at welcoming the refugees and, and housing them and whatever. But then they were passing this policy, which obviously gives the gendarmes at the frontier post all the power over these people because they said, oh, no, no, if you're a refugee, you can just ask the authorities at the border to let you in. But obviously these people can just say, no, fuck off. We don't want you in yeah. our country, you know? So it, the government was already quite anti-refugee, anti-Spanish refugee. And um, actually...
0: I oh, no sorry I was gonna say I, I imagine the other big group that it was arriving in the 30s were were Jewish refugees from yeah yeah you know not uh, either Nazi Germany or area you know sort of other areas that the Nazis then rolled into or
1: yeah yeah and they definitely faced massive amounts like xenophobia anti-Semitism like they were also not safe from this anti-immigration feeling that was starting to become more popular in the thirties, uh because of the crash and because i mean it's it's like history repeats itself right like when when a country is doing well everyone's welcome yeah. and we love each other da-da-da-da. but when it's not doing well it's like close the borders like you know this country's full and like whatever right so yes jewish refugees also had to deal with all these um problems and always all of these policies as well but yeah regarding the Spanish refugees i mean the like that year, Daladier government, he he basically, like France, accepted or recognized even Franco as a head of state before the war was over, right? So they were already in cahoots with Franco. They were already were like, yes, great. It looks like he's going to win. So, you know, we're OK with you. And the fact that they were letting in Spanish refugees, especially after La Retirada, angered Franco quite a lot, obviously, because he thought that, you know, oh, you're giving asylum to these Reds and these communists and traitors and whatever. And they made a pact that France would give Franco, so that year the government would give Franco the gold that the Spanish Republic had, because the Spanish Republic had been in exile in France, right, like the government, in exchange of taking these refugees back. So they wanted to send these refugees back,
0: so they were that's trying to do a deal basically. Yeah, that's.
1: Yeah. To be like, Hey, just, you know, we give you gold and you accept these people back. Because obviously Franco was like, I don't want these people. Like, uh, I'm mad that you're accepting them, but I also don't want them here because I'm going to kill them. Right. But yeah, that idea was like, we'll give me gold and you accept these people, please. So definitely not very pro- <laughs> pro-Spanish refugees. Um.
0: Obviously, some were. I mean, some were. I guess some high-profile figures would, were sent back when, when the Nazi, you know, under Vichy, etc. No, I mean, most famously, Companj the, yeah. the, the Catalan um, president, president um, yeah. was was sent back. The SS or the Gestapo sent him back. He was tortured in, I think, for a month in Puerto del Sol, in what what is now mm-hmm. the building of the of the presidency of the Community of Madrid. No, Ayuso, Ayuso's office in the basement, Yikes. like, <laughs> like that, like, I mean, it's that building that, I mean, that's, that's a fast, another story, but that, that building it's the, from the balconies where the, the Spanish Republic was, was proclaimed. And then it was up mm-hmm. as the interior ministry. And then it was turned into, uh, the, the headquarters of, um, the political police and, you know, uh, I don't know how many thousands of people were tortured in that building over however many number of years, but yeah, one of them was uh, Campanche, uh, who was then sent back to Barcelona, and tried, mm-hmm. and obviously executed. Um...
1: In the uh, Monjard Castle, yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in, in the moat, you no, know, like you can see where 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 he was executed. What like for for these people? I mean, when you listen to the testimonies, a lot of times it is. They felt they did. Ne- they never. Afterwards, they never really belonged to either country, or you know, um, they were never quite French, even though they made huge sacrifices for France. But then, if you live in exile for so long, you're not really sp- Spanish, or you don't feel part of. Is that fair to say?
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're that's the thing. You've given so much to this country, which suited you so badly from the start, right? Like literally put you in a concentration camp. Uh, then you almost gave your life and then the goal was just like, just go back home now. And you're like, well, I don't have a home. And if they say it in France, yeah, I guess that feeling never goes away, right? Like I did all of this for my country and I'm not being, you know, all these people, like I assume every year there's some big party for the French resistance, but I'm not included in it, even though I was in it. Right. And then obviously Franco was in power in Spain for, yeah, 40 years. So obviously that's not your country anymore. That's not a country that you know and loved and, and especially with all the repression afterwards and the post-war era and even, you know, he was literally dying and he was signing death, um, so like death, Ar- death, Ar-
0: death. Yeah. Yeah. Death yeah. census. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. And Again, also many, many of these people, men, women, they left when they were very young.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So at some point you just have to do, you just don't feel like it's your home. Even if, you know, nothing bad had happened, if you leave uh, so young at some point, you just, you've lived somewhere else more than you lived in your home country. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it is fair to say.
0: Yeah. And obviously some of these people then, yeah, we were saying they, you know, they, they joined the French, the French resistance or uh, the French free forces under De Gaulle. Other, others ended up in, in Nazi concentration camps. They ended up in, I guess, Mauthausen was the... the,
1: Mauthausen was the biggest one. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is interesting when, again, when you walk around Madrid, for example, the memorial... It's. I think it's a. It's, been, it's a recent um, initiative. But the memorial cobblestones now. You know. You see. Ah, oh, yeah. Obviously, you go to go to Germany or you know these uh, Austria, the, the Netherlands. The names are of, of of Jewish victims. But in Spain, they're the Republicans. They're communists. They're anarchists. I guess some of these people did end up in in Nazi concentration camps. You know. I mean, this was Argelis Surmer was a. Might have been their first their first stop, but afterwards, they they ended up in the in the hell of Mauthausen.
1: Yeah. So actually, I have I have some data here. Okay. Okay. So no, <laughs> <laughs> no after so after World War Two broke out, so ten thousand men were sent to Nazi camps. Uh,
0: a, ten thousand Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Spanish
1: yeah, yeah. Spanish men. sorry. seven thousand of those were in Mauthausen. Okay. That's why. In this, well, I mean, I've always been taught basically that Madhouse was the camp for the Spaniards.
0: Yeah,
1: right. And there's this amazing photo from the liberation of the camp. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a Spanish banner. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. It's incredible. Yeah,
1: saying welcome to the American, you know, exactly. soldiers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, seven thousand of those ten thousand were sent to Madhouse specifically, and sadly. Four thousand seven hundred of those died in Madhausen. So more than fifty percent of the people that were. There.
0: Inclu- including the ex prime, or the ex yeah the ex prime minister of Spain, Largo Caballero, no? like the the first yeah. the first trade unionist prime minister of Spain, first working class trade unionist prime minister of Spain, socialist. He, t- I think, he survived. Maybe two years after he did survive, but he he died maybe a couple of years afterwards. Yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean, obviously all these men, even if they survived uh, the health problems that you get from because it was it was not a death camp, it was a forced labor camp, yes. so they were being worked to death. And I don't have a number specifically. This is also a very interesting topic, but there were also Spanish women sent there to be sex workers at Matthausen. okay so that is see like you know if if this is a niche topic that is even uh, more niche but but yeah so it was straight up literally the the spanish camp
0: and they had their red triangles or whatever on there and um...
1: yeah with the s they had like a little red s which meant spania
0: okay i mean obviously we, it, it's always difficult to make Historical comparisons, but I have I have noticed in the la, you know in the last few months, I guess people people online in Spain making comparisons. I guess at least in ter- I mean I think it's just a, a, an emotional thing to try and make a connection between your own country's history and someone else's. But there was uh, footage from 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 Gaza, which was to share quite widely of desperate people trying to on, on the beach looking for food. I think in you know and and suddenly the Israeli machine gun gunfire opens up, and you have thousands of people on the beach trying to flee, etc. But you know these desolate scenes of of refugees on on a beach and you know people were 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 headlining Argelis sir uh sur Mer 20 you know 2024 or whatever and it is obviously you can you can only go so far i mean there's very di- huge differences but it is even more generally you know the the fact yeah as you're saying this you know this huge influx of of people fleeing, fleeing war and the you know the pub- how public opinion turns how maybe it, in a certain moment, you have a, a liberal policy around migration, and then afterwards, you know, at a certain point, it changes. I mean, there are certain parallels. I mean, obviously, you can only draw them up to a certain point, but yeah, I mean, w- what happens in '39 in on the the French Catalan border has parallels or echo at least certain echoes for us, no?
1: Oh, for sure, and and even you know, in general, like the so the so the Spanish refugees. Were classified. There was like a a triage system or whatever of like uh, refugees or immigrants of France, and they were the undesirables, right? So they, you know, they were people that they did not want because most of them maybe were men, uh, communist, anarchist, whatever, right? So they were undesirable. So I, there is they're the ones that could not assimilate in French culture Um, and we see that now as well there's like the good kind of refugees and the bad kind of refugees right when the invasion of Ukraine started Europe um, welcomed and opened their arms as they should to Ukrainian refugees while there's Middle Eastern refugees that are dying every day our borders or drowning in the Mediterranean, African refugees. You know, so it is, sadly, it's, uh, the tale is all this time. Um, and there can definitely be some parallel, parallelisms and like comparisons, uh, there as, as well, yeah.
0: And in terms of Catalan historical memory, I mean, in particular, I mean, it, it must this must be, you know, be a, be an important part of that. I mean, I think one of the one of the things when you travel from Madrid to to Barcelona or from to other parts is that you know you do notice there's a much more official commemoration of of, of these events in, you know, in the streets in the cities. You know that the, 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 the there are official plaques. There are much more. You know, in in obviously given given who's in control of the city council or the regional governments here. We. It's it's a little bit more difficult, you know. We had the the four years with Carmena and she she managed to get some stuff up. But like, um, yeah, I mean, you do. It is very much more present. And I guess anti, you know, I think what's interesting, you know, even on the right, the right, the right wing side of Catalan nationalism or Cat- Catalan pro independence uh, opinion, they would position themselves as anti fascist. I mean, it's it's um, it is a, it, it is a very broad, you know, it's part of I imagine Catalan identity in that sense. And um, obviously yeah. the. Obviously, there were a lot of Catalans who did collaboration. You know, that's another story. But, like, in terms of it is part of Catalan identity.
1: Yeah, I was literally going to say that. It's more it's not even about politics per se. It's just um, Catalan identity. It's just the fact that, you know, yeah, as I said, like, right wing, like, the problem, I guess, with the Catalan independence movement is that anybody can be pro-Catalan independence, which means that you can literally have fascist war pro as independence right so it's not about politics like it could be in madrid or in the rest of spain which is like you know don't open old wounds or whatever hooks yeah, yes yeah. um it's more about the fact that most of these people were catalan yeah we want to be our own country we want to remember our catalan history what happened in catalonia so we're going to be more open to um yeah, to to commemorate this or remember this, but even even in Catalonia, like I went to a public like a public school, um, which is run by the Catalan government, and in the history textbook, La Retirada was like, you know, rough, yeah. Uh, yeah, like a few lines. It's like, as I said, it's just it's the end of the war. Who cares, you know? Like now to World War Two. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So it might be officially more uh, remembered by politicians or officials in the government or whatever, but it's still not like in education or I think there's still some way to go. There are obviously teachers. I know like many of my friends are now teachers and obviously they (laughs) try to teach these things and, but it, it, it depends, like, Depends on the teacher, I guess. Depends on what they think is important. And I guess my teacher at the time didn't think uh, that a was important, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And for example, I mean, I, sorry, I've just thought about this now, really, but obviously you're talking about people that are crossing, obviously, an international border, but it's they're crossing into French Catalonia. No, I mean, there's, it was... <laughs> Did that? No, that not make... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you know, yeah. Did that make a difference? I mean, was there? I mean, I imagine some people must have had family or like, or even just connections. You know, you. Yeah. yeah
1: it it definitely could be. The thing is though that not everybody in La Retirada was Catalan, right? No, they came it was, from yeah. Catalonia. Yeah. Yeah. But like, there were so many international brigadiers. Um, there was one specific camp that was open just for international brigades, which was the course. Oh, wow. Gors- yes,
0: okay, that's very interesting. To...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, where would but...
0: would they have been like? What German Jews or like where would they have come? Like you know, in terms of because obviously the international brigades were which run when that was like late thirty eight. Was... Uh,
1: yes, In yeah. September thirty eight. Yeah. so it was yeah mostly people that were. Different reasons could not go back to their country, as you said, for example, German and Jews or Austrian Jews. Um, even some Americans that had been blacklisted wow. from really? America for being communists. Or like at that time, it was already just, you know, a bit uh, dodgy <laughs> to be a communist. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they were also... I don't know if they actually... Were interned in Gorse, but you know they were international brigadiers from literally all over the world. They were brigadiers from China. Yeah, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if some poor Chinese brigadier had to be interned in Gorse because you just how are you gonna travel back to China? You know, in that in that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think there were also some British, but yeah, it was it was it was a mix, but mostly what you said, like people that couldn't
0: stateless people or
1: exactly
0: and has I mean has there been much now published in the last few years on this is this like a growing a growing topic now
1: yeah I think I mean yeah so so okay
0: yeah there's still definitely
1: I mean the thing is uh, the base was zero yeah exactly so yeah yeah, it is it is growing uh, not as fast as maybe someone as me would like but um, no definitely yeah and I think I think also ha- having a more leftist government has also well, recently has also yeah. helped bring attention to this. Like as we were saying before we started recording, um, Santos was in, in Madhausen and in like 2019 yeah. uh, paying homage to to these um, 4,700 men that died there. Spanish. Like
0: he also he also visited Asanya, Asanya's grave and I think yeah. Um... Machado yeah. Machado's grave as well and you know when you talk about I guess historical memory movement there has been a number of novels I guess written about this Al- Almudena Grandes has a very interesting I can't remember the name of the novel now but it's
1: uh, Inés y la Ligeria.
0: yeah exactly Inés
1: and the Happiness yeah.
0: exactly it's brilliant no it's uh, I think it's probably the one the book that really has informed me on this you know like their, their experience etc and I guess Obviously, that that novel also deals with attempts of Spanish Republicans after the after the fall to then organize for a an invasion of of um, of Francoist Spain, which obviously didn't didn't succeed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's such a good book. It's so so well researched. Yeah. Like, it, it at some point, it just feels like you're reading like an actual not like nonfiction
0: book. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: When, is it, when, was she- when when she's, like, explaining the background and everything, it just feels like, you know, I'm reading for a class, you know, in a good oh, way.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Because, like, they, she talks a lot about La Passionaria, and, like, I think also just what what, what the leadership, these people who crossed the border at a certain points. Obviously, you, had, mm-hmm. you know, like, she, she ended up in Exxon in, in the USSR, but, yeah, what those initial months, how did the, the, the Spanish Communist Party organize itself in France, etc. I guess the other, the other novel, I guess, you know, is... Cause I'm not sure if the, the grandest book has been translated into English, but then I guess probably the book, people, some of our listeners in English might, might know is, um, I mean, his book, uh, Soldados de, de Salamina. I mean, obviously that, like, that deals with, I guess, exactly one of these people who's maybe been forgotten, um, the, the character of the soldier who might've been this old man in a nursing home who, the, who they meet at the end or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess these figures who have been sort of forgotten. And left out of official accounts of history
1: yeah there's there's a lot of new um fiction historical fiction coming out uh regarding the topic but then it's also always a bit uh dangerous right yeah. with historical yeah. fiction because you know i who has written a thesis about this, can read a book and be like, "Mm, this is not true, but like the normal, normal people, not like me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah.
1: They might just like take like, and this is because of the... Arturo Pérez Reverte. I don't know if
0: you know who. Yeah, I do. I yeah, I do. I do. I have. I have. I've avoided reading any of his novels, but yeah, I got his. No,
1: please never. Don't, okay. <laughs> that is uh, like he is just. It, it's it's I. Oh, I literally went on, like uh, a couple years ago. He published a book, a uh, fiction book of something related to the Spanish Civil War. Obviously, I did not want to read that, but that this man writes a fictional book on the Spanish Civil War and then goes on, obviously, the press tour. And the whole time, he's just like, when he's asked about things like, oh, what do you think about, you know, the government's efforts to open the mass graves and identify people that Franco put there at some point. And he's like, oh, no, we can't, like basically like Santiago Pascal being like, no, we we shouldn't disturb the past. We shouldn't open old wounds, right? Which is such a Spanish saying that they all love saying. As you just wrote a book about this. Yeah. And you're going on about don't open old wounds. And, you know, it was, and the the thing that I hate, it was a war between brothers.
0: Yeah, it's, oh, Jesus, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: done by done by his.
0: Okay. The <laughs> the full secret distance view. Yeah. The sort of cunado view of uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean that's it. I mean there is these historical debates are ongoing and in things have moved on. I mean I think the thing is in Spain there has been a pushback. If if there is a consensus in Catalonia there is a strong counter narrative now and obviously you had the sort of pact of silence with the transition but I guess the last twenty years it has come a long way in Spain. You know. It, uh, you know, you see. I guess the debates. I mean, uh, even the the new historical memory mo- uh, law, the democratic mm-hmm. memory law. It, it didn't go quite far. I mean, it didn't go far enough. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it certainly went further than what was possible under Zapatero and you know, 15 mm-hmm. years earlier, or whatever. So it, there has. I mean, there had been progress in that sense. But obviously, in some yeah. ways, it's easier to do it now in the sense that once the living generation starts dying, you know, it's there's no there's less. Less at stake, in one sense, you know, like materially. I mean, you know, in terms of reparations or anything, it becomes more more about symbolic redress as opposed to actually material.
1: Yeah, that that's what's so frustrating as well because we do see some change now. We do see some active pers- participation from the government and wanting to change things, like the newest law from two years ago, as you mentioned. Yeah. But. uh But yeah, these, the people that were affected by everything are already dead or dying or their, their families are dying. Their, their children are dying. Right. So it is really frustrating because we, the young people can be like, okay, nice. Finally, there's something, but these people that were directly affected by it, they will not be able to see, to see these changes. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's it, isn't it? Um. I think what you were saying at the beginning about, I think, how people maybe wanted to move on or like, you know, in the sense of there was bigger things with, you know, it, it is what it was. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it sort of reminded me of that that great Camus, uh, Albert Camus' um, quote about Spain. Know, that, you know, in Spain, my generation learned that you can be right. You can have reason on your side. You can be right and still be defeated. No, that's... Mm-hmm. That is what's so awful, I guess, so tragic about the Spanish experience was that, yeah, um, you know, the narrative, I guess in the rest of Europe is about defeating, Mm -hmm. defeating fascism, whereas yeah, in in Spain, it was a a, a different story.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. And it's such a recent story as well. Like my dad was born under Franco, Yeah, you know, Spain, like he can barely really write, like write in, in Catalan because he was not taught Catalan in school. So he obviously speaks it because they spoke it at home. When when he writes, he makes a lot of uh mistakes because he writes it as he speaks it. Yeah. Which is not how how it's written. Okay. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. a friend a friend of my dad's was actually born in one of these French camps. Wow. Yeah. You know, like these people are remembered and are some of them are still alive. And it's it's Sadly many of them are dead or dying, but it's still very, very recent history. And the fact that it's not remembered as it should or taught as it should is just so so frustrating.
0: No, no, definitely. Yes. No, I agree. Well look, I think that this has been a really interesting discussion. Um thanks a thanks a lot for, for joining me, Uma.
1: Thanks for having me. I loved I loved finally talking about this. Topic. Yeah, it was really it was good. Actually, it was really interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs>